0: All right, what's going on, everyone? We have a guest today, J.D. Hewitt of The History Underground. Uh, J.D., thanks for taking the time and your busy schedule between trips and videos and all that to to chat for a little bit, man.
1: Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it.
0: So I have watched J.D.'s videos for a while on YouTube, and it, there was definitely a period where they blew up, because I could have sworn when I first saw them, you had a lot of views, but something happened. I don't know what happened. You've got hundreds of thousands <laughs> of subscribers now, right? I mean, that's really going.
1: Yeah. It's, it's pushing, uh, like around at this point, it's over 200,000, like maybe around 210 or, or something like that is, is where it, where it's setting right now. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of blown up, uh, well beyond what I ever expected.
0: <laughs> How do you describe what it is? Like what those videos are?
1: Uh, sure. So, here, here's where I, I've kind of sown some confusion uh, with, with the channel. Um, so, so the channel is called the History Underground. My, my original intent for the channel was to have like different, um, I, I guess you could say little shows. And then the History Underground is going to be the, the channel. It's like this umbrella gotcha. that is going to have all these different things. Um, so one of those shows uh, is called History Traveler which is basically uh, just me going around to all of these different locations of uh, historic significance. And um, basically, you're, you're just kind of going along with me and, and learning things and seeing things as I'm seeing them. Um, there, there was also a series that I had uh, that I called Echoes of War, which was interviews with uh, like World War II and, and Korean mm-hmm. War veterans. Uh, I, i've got a hard drive that is filled with just some fascinating interviews and and unfortunately this, this is all on me um I, I haven't done much with that uh lately but but there are some interviews on there uh that are are just completely uncut like it's it's not sliced up or anything uh, there's some
0: value to that i mean you did the hard part i think
1: Uh, well, what, what I'm hoping is that now that I have them and and I'm still gathering where I can, um, that it's not going anywhere. And, you know, at some point, you know, all of these guys are, are going to be, are going to be gone. Uh, you know, there, there are fewer and fewer that are with us and, um, I'll have those memories, you know, on a, on a hard drive and, and can still share them, um, Anyway, and then just recently, I've uh, partnered up with uh, Eric Dore from the Gettysburg Museum of History. Um, he's been on Pawn Stars and on American Pickers and, and several different shows, and uh, he and I are working together on a series called American Artifact, which kind of focuses on, uh, as the name implies, historic artifacts, uh, stuff out of his museum. We have some pretty cool things that we're, we're doing with that.
0: That's awesome um, yeah. that you'd hinted at when we chatted previously, I don't want to put words in your mouth. It wasn't sure. accident or mistake, but you weren't going into this with the, with the intent of growing it to the size it is. Is that fair to say?
1: No, it's, it's fair to say that this whole thing is a complete accident.
0: Okay. <laughs> it's, the right word. It,
1: it's, it's a complete accident. Um, yeah. So the, the, the channel uh, I, I have a background in video production and video editing, uh, primarily in the outdoor industry. So worked on a lot of hunting shows and uh, things like that. Co-produced a hunting show called Hallow Ground Outdoors for uh, six years. And and I still work in, in the outdoor industry. Um, and so, so, so there was a, a foundation of knowledge as far as video production. And uh, I was on vacation with my family one year and we went to the... Uh, Air Force Museum in Dayton, Ohio, okay. where they have the uh, uh, boxcar, the the B twenty nine that dropped the bomb on Nagasaki. So while I was there, I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll film some stuff here. And I, I also work in education. I forgot to mention that. Um, so I, I, you know, got out my phone and was filming, and you know, turned the camera back on myself, you know, like a like a dummy, and, and talking about it. I put something together. And uh, whenever we got around to World War II and got to talking about, you know, the dropping of the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, I showed that video to my students and, uh, and they said, hey, that, that was really good. Like, you should start a YouTube channel, you know, all the places that you go and travel and, you know, all these things, you, you should start a YouTube channel. And uh, I said, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> I was like, you know, I told them nobody's going to want to watch me, you know, do all this kind of stuff. Anyway, they kept pressing me. So, so I started uh, putting some videos together. And I thought, well, I'll use it. And if anybody else finds value in it, uh, well, then, you know, that, that'll be a good thing, too. And um, yeah, it, uh, I guess it, it was kind of a, a slow build um, in the first eight to nine months. Um, and then where, where the channel really got, uh, a shot of adrenaline, uh, I got an email from YouTube one day that said that I'd been named as a uh, YouTube's creator on the rise and I was going to be on their trending page for a day. I had no clue what that meant. Um, like, I, I thought, Hey, well, well that was kind of nice of them. You know, I, I appreciate that. Um, and then, man, the channel just exploded from there. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I guess, I guess that was actually something important that I uh, didn't know about. Um, so, yeah, uh, and, and it's just kind of continued, uh, you know, building steam ever since.
0: I like how you kind of glossed over the fact that uh, this isn't your job. It's one of the <laughs> things you do. Uh, there's, there's almost three full-time things going on, right?
1: I, I legitimately have three full-time jobs. Yeah. The, the YouTube thing has turned into a full-time job. Uh, so I'm cranking out two episodes per week right now with the, the History Traveler series. Um, and then I, I'm having to, to like balance a bunch of spinning plates right now. Um, but, but eventually, I'm going to start having two History Travelers and one American Artifact video every week. So you're going to have three like short videos every week. Uh, and, and that's if I don't collapse and die at some yeah. point, you know, with if all they of the stop, stuff that we'll I've know been. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of the nice thing about YouTube is I'm not, um, I'm not bound by any contract to, you know, have a certain amount of videos. It's more just pressure that I put on myself to, to do that.
0: And what you want to talk about. Is yeah. it, how, how do you come up with that? It, how do you, I mean, especially because you're, so I can talk about whatever I want to talk about because most of right. it's happening right here in this room. <laughs> it doesn't really matter, but but you're going to locations. What does that look like to, to come up with where to go? Uh,
1: really, I, I think that I have kind of a natural curiosity. Like I, I'm, I'm legitimately interested in almost everything. Uh, I, I kind of find value in learning about anything. Now, if you look at my channel uh, that you would, probably assume that the only thing I care about is world war II and the civil war. Uh, that, that is what has come to dominate the vast majority of the channel, but I'm, I'm legitimately interested in anything. I also read a lot. So whenever I'm reading a book, um, Oh, for example, um, Oh, let's say I'm reading a book on the battle of Gettysburg and, uh, they talk about Lee's headquarters, I'll, I'll ask, I'll, I'll stop and think, I wonder if that's still there or I wonder what that looks like. So I'll, I'll have, I have like a little notebook and I'll jot down, you know, hey, you know, check this later. Um, and, and then I'll go and I'll see if these places still exist. Uh, because, because to me, like whenever I'm reading a book, obviously there's, there's value in that. I love books that have lots of illustrations and lots of maps. Um, so so really kind of what I'm doing with the the history traveler series is is I'm kind of bringing that element in the the, the visual element and the, kind of the the exploration of these places and and adding it to uh, you know what, what you get out of a book
0: and I think it's really cool because there's you know as we get older I guess right uh, uh-huh. you start to realize the places you're probably not going to get there's mm-hmm. so many and, and you got to check the big ones off and you've got your bucket list of places <laughs> to go. It's probably Pearl Harbor and D-Day and some things like that. Yeah. But especially internationally, uh, we talked, I think briefly about the, the Pacific, like you start heading out that direction. Ah, how do you get stuff like that done? And it's, I think yeah. you've done a really good job of, well, you said it, bringing people along. It makes it feel like you're actually there as opposed to, I think we've all seen some videos that it's cool. It's informative, but it's not really uh it's not a tour.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the the style that that I kind of go for uh with you know the that series uh or, or that particular show, I, I'm really just filming it in the same way that I I'm filming it in a way that that I would like if yeah. I were watching somebody else. Um so uh, let me tell you, there there is nothing that feels more awkward or stupid to me than holding that camera out and pointing it back at myself. But and and, and I've had some people that have gigged me. It's not very many, but but some people who have gigged me uh, where they talk about, you know, I'd rather see you know what you're looking at rather than you know your ugly face and everything, which is a valid criticism. I get it. Um, but I, whenever I'm watching a YouTube video, there are some channels where it's just strictly the guy walking around showing what he's seeing and i like that but i also like that human interaction uh, and the human connection i want to see that guy's eyes um, so so i try and and blend those two things whenever i'm filming where it's kind of like you're you're with me so we can see each other uh and also you're also seeing what i'm seeing so it's kind of like that uh, if you were using video game terminology, like a first person shooter type thing to where it, it kind of brings you in and makes you feel like you're actually there uh, in that spot.
0: It feels like you're talking to me. Um, when I watch it, it feels like we're walking along and you're just explaining the things that you know, um, which is really cool. But I, I don't know if this is just your high level editing and I'm looking right past it, but it, <laughs> it, it looks like these are all long shots. Like when you start talking there's a, you You talk for a long time and you're rattling off some statistics, a lot of information. <laughs> That's impressive. I mean, I, I imagine oh, there's thanks. some work that goes into that beforehand. You give the impression yeah. that like you just stopped on the side of the road and here's Utah beach. And then you talk about it for 45 minutes. <laughs> I, I imagine there's a process beforehand where you're really dialed into some of
1: this. It's really a little bit of both. Um, so on the one hand, so you talk like Utah beach or something like that, uh, or, you know, I did a big series on Gettysburg. In in some cases, there's a lot of reading and a lot of research that, that goes into it. Um, and and that's something that I do that that I've always done with or without a camera. Mm -hmm. Like if, if I go someplace, I want to know where I'm going. I want to know what happened there. Um, so, so there's a little bit of that going on beforehand. And in some cases you're, learning right along with me like if i go into some big museum or something like that uh there there are literally things that i'm looking at and i'm like oh wow well here on this day blah 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 blah." so so you're you're kind of uh, like i said right there with me learning at the same time
0: that's pretty cool that's i mean that's some has that changed as you've gone along because that feels like a confidence thing that would be hard to overcome right out the gate
1: yeah that um
0: for me at least. yeah, I would have a hard time.
1: Yeah. So, so I've, as the channel has progressed and grown and evolved, uh, I I try and spend a lot more time researching before I go someplace. Now there's sometimes I'll see some place on the side of the road and I'll just stop because it looks interesting to me. But uh, there, there have been a few times where, um, you know, I've, I've gone to a place and um really didn't do my homework beforehand and um afterwards i look back and i'm like gosh i wish i would have known a b and c whenever i was filming that because it could have been so much better it could have been so much more informative and i would have sounded so much less like a moron uh whenever whenever i was talking about it so yeah i've as the channel's grown i've I've tried to um, both become more educated Uh, myself going into it and also bringing in people who are just way more knowledgeable and intelligent than me. Uh, There's the secret, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I just bring in smart people and and let them do the talking. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just right there learning along with everybody else then. So,
0: oh man, I had a a place to go there on that, but, uh, (laughs) of course now I draw the blank. I was going to try to make a joke about if you're trying to get connected with smart people. And I'm trying to do the same thing. What's <laughs> happening here. One of us is getting tricked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, are shoot. there, are there any areas that come to mind any trips you've done where that's triggered in your mind after the fact of, oh, I wish I would have known about the Eastern side of this battlefield and you're considering going back, maybe redoing it,
1: not 1, redoing 000- it, but
0: doing a second one.
1: Yeah. 1000% 1, Normandy. Yeah. The, the first trip that I took to Normandy, um, as far as the the filming aspect of it goes, uh, I I got finished with that trip and that series. So so the first Normandy series that I did, I can't remember how many episodes it ended up being, but it was a it was a whirlwind trip. Uh, and whenever you see that, I filmed everything in two days, two and a half days. You, uh, yeah, just you, yeah. Yeah. Well, my wife was with me too. Um, but I mean, it was, it, it was just a, a blur like trying to hit as much stuff as, as I could. Um, and afterwards, you know, I, I, put it all together. Um, and, and there were, there were a lot of gaps that I had. And, uh, I was talking with, with Paul Woodage. Um, he's a, he has a YouTube channel called world war two TV, which is just outstanding. And uh, he's he's been a, a guide there for 20 years and has met hundreds and hundreds of veterans, knew uh, you know all the guys from um, Easy Company, your Band of Brothers, and and he he was super gracious and super kind, and uh, he had watched you know all the videos and he said you did a good job. He said it, it was good. He said now you didn't get everything. Nah. <laughs> he, said, he said, there were some things that you left out that, uh, that I could show you. Um, so yeah, so I ended up going back to Normandy to uh, try and kind of fill those gaps uh, and, and kind of cover some of the things that I'd learned in the interim time as well.
0: Was that a, a different trip or is this the one that uh, you're just freshly getting back from?
1: That, that was the one that I'm freshly getting back from.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We so just, when we were
1: just a couple of weeks ago.
0: Yeah, we were scheduling this, and and JD casually. Said, well, I got a little trip. Be out of the country for a few days. So, what was it? Nine, eight, nine days in Norman. Yeah,
1: nine, nine days. Nine days. Yeah, I went over there. Uh, you know, again with Eric Dore, uh, Gettysburg Museum of History, and was filming stuff for History Traveler. Um, so that's going to end up being between 25 and 30 episodes in Normandy. Yeah. Uh, Now your two a
0: week makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause otherwise it would, we would be on Normandy or Gettysburg or whatever from here to the end of time. Um, And then we also filmed, I think 12 or 13 episodes for American artifact. He has all kinds of crazy things in his museum. So he brought a lot of those with him and, uh, yeah, we, we have some pretty cool That's things where we, we took these artifacts to the spot where they came from in Normandy and haven't been back since nineteen forty-four. Um, so it's we, we have some pretty cool things that that we were able to do there. Yeah.
0: Any any teasers you want to throw out there? And all good if you want to leave it.
1: No, sure. Um, so one in particular, let me let me think. Let me think. Uh, There was a lady who saw my episode where I was at the Gettysburg Museum of History and um, had an uncle, I think, who landed on Utah Beach and was killed in the Normandy campaign. Um, She donated his burial flag and there was something else. Like I said, this trip was a blur. There was so much that happened, but they donated the burial flag. So we took the burial flag over um, to Utah beach. Um, there were some other artifacts and stuff like that. That, that was associated with it. And I, I feel stupid now that I can't remember it all. Um, and then we also, he's buried in the Normandy cemetery there. So we went and uh, visited his grave and everything like that. Yeah.
0: And that woman, so she's, Yes, she's still alive. So should that mean talk about yes. something that's going to be impactful to their family? Holy cow.
1: Yeah, because uh, to, to my knowledge, they haven't been over there to visit that grave. So, so we were able to go over there and take pictures and then, of course, do the video and everything like that. So that'll that'll be one of them. Um, but, yeah, we have several things, uh, maybe, maybe a few things associated with uh, Band of Brothers and Easy Company.
0: Of course. Well, Wouldn't expect any different. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah Eric has the, the largest collection of easy company artifacts in the world. Um, so, so we took some things of, of uh, historic value over there and uh, took them back to Braycourt Manor. And yeah, it's going to, going to be uh, going to be pretty cool. At least I thought it was cool. But.
0: I get sidetracked. i coming back to this. Are so, you doing, are you doing that band? Have you heard of that band of brothers symposium at the World War II Museum?
1: I, I'm familiar with it. Yes,
0: there's it, um, it got it got canceled and pushed yeah. to January. I signed up. I've never been down there, so um,
1: oh, I didn't I didn't know it got pushed to January.
0: It was, it was supposed to be like now. Uh, don't even know. I think October. Okay. So as COVID was starting to pick, pick up, and they were bringing yeah. people international, right? So they just shut it down and, and kicked it. But um, interesting. Yeah, I think January World War II Museum.
1: Oh, okay. Cool. I may have to look into that.
0: Take a look. <laughs> hey, so. Have you had a lot of, you get a lot of feedback from family members and relatives, Let's say my uncle was there or you talked about this and that was anything like that?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of that. Um, so one example, uh, I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and uh, went to the, the National Cemetery there. Uh, that is where Desmond Doss is buried. So if anybody has seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, they know the story of Desmond Doss, a Medal of Honor recipient who was uh, you know, a conscientious objector, didn't carry a weapon into combat and, and did some amazing things in the Battle of Okinawa. So, so I went and uh, saw his grave, posted the video. And about a week later, uh, his son reached out to me and uh, said, hey, watch your video really appreciate what you did to honor my dad and, uh, you know, thought you did a great job and he he would have been proud. And I I was, I was really pleased with that. Um, I've been able to make contact with uh, back to the band of brothers things, uh, several easy company guys. Um, Their families have, have reached out to me. George Luz uh, being one of George Luz Jr uh, reached out and uh, have interacted with him quite a bit since then um let's see i'm trying to think of another one i, I did several videos at Tacoa uh where the d- four different parachute infantry regiments trained going up to world war ii and uh, th- this was a, a high point for me um Wee martin um watched that video and oh, wow. uh posted a picture on his page with him holding, I think he was holding an iPad or something like that. And it, there's me on the video and he, he said some nice things, uh, you know, about what, what we did down there in Tacoa. So, so yeah, it's, it's been pretty cool.
0: Sneaky feeling that has a, a higher spot in the memory than the subscriber
1: jumps. Oh, hundred percent. A little bit. hundred percent. That's awesome.
0: So yeah. going back over to Normandy, mm-hmm. when you're, when you're going through kind of the process piece here, when you're on the, beaches this time or it doesn't have to be this trip, but we're going through museums. How long did it take to get used to filming and talking with people around you? Because there's no way you're always by yourself.
1: Yeah. I still haven't got used to it. Okay. Yeah. I, (laughs) uh, the, the best, so I'm kind of a selfish traveler. uh, And the best case scenario is for me to be in a museum or on a beach or battlefield and nobody else is there it's just me that's that's my ideal uh scenario so like going over to normandy um you know in september uh the advantage there is that's the off season um and there were a couple days where i was on the dog green sector of omaha beach by myself had had the entire expanse. I, I could look to the left and to the right and there was nobody on the beach except for me. Um, so so that's kind of uh, you know the the advantage of uh, you know traveling during some of these off season times and, and things like that. But no I, I I still can't get used to being around people. I, I just I feel like such a dummy.
0: <laughs> it's I went to uh, Shiloh. I went to Shiloh when I was old enough to remember that I had been to Shiloh. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's just a couple miles down the road. So I drove down a few weeks ago and did some short videos there. And um, it was close and it's a big battle. So I thought this would be a right. great one to, to, to knock out and do some like TikTok videos, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking at the next place I wanted to go, the next thing I wanted to do. And when I started looking at maps and seeing how many of these battlefields are right in the middle of towns and cities and, and yeah. in the background is an interstate or buildings, I realized how unique a place like Shiloh is because it's you can be by yourself. Right. There might not be anybody around. And it felt that feels so much. I don't know. It seems like it's easier to tell a story when it looks somewhat the the Normandy beach dog green. Right. Like I know a lot has changed, but at least you can kind of see where things might've sat.
1: Yeah. And, and you can also. Get such a much better understanding and appreciation for the, the history of, of what happened there. Um, so I, I mentioned Paul Woodage, uh, one of the places that, that we went to. So Paul and I collaborated, you know, while mm-hmm. I was over there and uh, we went to to Lafayette bridge uh, where the 82nd airborne held this, this key position uh, during the the battle of Normandy in the days after D-Day. And uh, like, I don't have to tell you this, Uh, you know, military uh, veteran and, you know, West Point guy, terrain is everything. Uh, And and whenever you're reading a book or or really even watching a lot of documentaries, you don't really get that feel for the, the terrain, which is something that I try and bring in. And Paul told me at Lafayette, he said, if I'm reading a book and it's about Lafayette, whenever they get to the Lafayette part, he said, I can always tell who has actually been to Lafayette and who hasn't. Uh, he said, because there, there's a curve in the road that uh, where the Germans were, were approaching. And uh, he, he said, if, if they talk about that curve, then I can pretty reasonably, you know, assume that, that they've been here. He said, but if they don't, he said, chances are they haven't actually been on the battleground because that's such a, a key feature uh, there, there at Lafayette. Um, so, so anyway, uh, I, I kind of started talking there, and I don't know where I was going. But <laughs>
0: well, I think that's a good point. So I was, we're, we're here in Murfreesboro, the Battle of Stones River, when the Civil War was here, and I want to do something about that, in some short videos. But because it took place at the start of the year, the end of December, beginning of January, I want to wait until the vegetation is right. Yeah, because I think it makes like it's a little thing, but. Um, that was something to Shiloh was to be able to say, this is kind of what the hornet's nest would have looked like. It wouldn't have been crazy different. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a really good point. And even with videos, I think it's hard to, uh, hard to show that sometimes just a little curvature in the field that could hide a, you know, a battalion of tanks you wouldn't think about. Right.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing that I do in the, excuse me, in the, in the Lafayette video is there's, there's a foxhole that one of the bazooka teams was in. And um, if, you're, if you're standing on the road and looking at it, you can say, oh, okay, yeah, the, those, those two guys were, that's where they fired on the Germans as they came around the, that corner and were approaching the bridge. Whenever you actually walk down there to where the foxhole was, you realize that they were in a low spot and they couldn't see those tanks uh, approaching. So I try and, and show that with the camera. I'm like, okay, here, here is the view. Like I'm standing up this is the view that those guys would have had, okay? And then I'll, I'll crouch down and say, okay, now look at how you, you can't really see that approach. So this is how, you know, they would have had to do this, that, or the other. Uh, you know, did the same thing at, at Gettysburg and everything like that. So, so I try to the best of my ability, be the eyes for the viewer and, and show, okay, this, this is what it looked like. This is what it would have felt like, you know, being here in, for example, Normandy in 1944,
0: I don't know enough about virtual reality, but I've always thought that whenever I think of like that, I think of how cool it would be. What always comes to mind is the, the Normandy landings and like how cool would it would be to, to stand there and put up your phone or put up goggles and be able to scan the beach and see from, you know, the landings that the dog green sector or the, yeah. you know, Charlie, whatever, might, and actually see how it would look. Lafayette is a great example. If you could put, it, it seems like at some point that's going to happen where you can it's be coming. on site And you can look around and then you can recognize like, oh, this gunner couldn't see anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's coming. Um, And I think it's coming sooner than what we might think. They're already kind of doing some stuff like that at Gettysburg, um, where, where, yeah, you can hold up your phone, your iPad or whatever. And as you move around, it's showing like what was happening, uh, you know, in that exact spot. Uh, But, but I think that's going to get even better and better and better. Um, And yeah, I, I think, I mean, you want to talk about an immersive experience, my gosh. Um, That, that will be about as immersive uh, as it gets. Um,
0: I, yeah, I don't know first step, like I would like to do that, but I don't know the first step to, to head that direction, right? The the technology and all that stuff. So. Yeah, it's beyond me. If you get word, let me know, and I'll, I'll go check that <laughs> out. Oh. You mentioned having all these recordings of, of, I imagine, a lot of World War II veterans. Yes. Is there a, when you think about what you're doing with History Underground and History Travel and all of this, is there a, a purpose? Like, are you, is there something guiding you that, uh, that you're moving towards or the, the reason you do what you do beyond um, just enjoying it?
1: yeah um it's it's uh the the sole I guess the 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 core I guess you could say of, of what I'm doing is is educational in nature as I, I want to do something that is going to have value to people um, so I'm, I'm just trying to provide a service in, in some way that people can utilize um, the the reason that I started doing YouTube videos is because whenever I was looking at my students and they were telling me where they consume media, it, it's not TV. Um, I was kind of surprised that very few were watching Netflix or Amazon prime or anything like that. A bunch of YouTube junkies though. Um, so I was like, okay, well, if, if this is where they are at, then, um, you know, maybe maybe I can contribute something, you know, here in in this space uh, that that is of value in some way. And and a lot of times, um, you know, I'll get comments on on the videos where people will say, you know, they they I never learned this in school, uh, or you know, they they never taught me this, or why didn't I ever learn this? To be fair, teachers are are kind of uh, strapped, you know, for time. You know, you can't dive into the depths of every single topic oh. so yeah so so i kind of view the school is as, as like the the skeleton or, or the framework that that you get and then uh, maybe you can come to you know the, the history underground or any number of other youtube channels or, or podcasts or things like that and then you can start getting a supplement to that learning uh where if if you have something that was sparked in the classroom that has given you a hunger well you can, you can go find that you know, other places. And that's the reason I keep my videos short. Like I try not to go over 15 or 20 minutes. It's because I want it to have use in the classroom. A teacher doesn't want to sit down and show a 60-minute a video, mm-hmm. um, but a 10 or 15-minute video that they can show their class that, that supplements what they're talking about and kind of brings the students uh, into that place uh, and gives them something tangible to to look at and see uh, they can do that
0: yeah have you had teachers reach out and tell you that they were used you in our lesson plan
1: uh, a lot yeah I, I get that a lot I, I get a lot of students as well that, that reach out to me and say hey my teacher shows your videos in class and everything like that uh, I had one guy who told me uh, he teaches at a correctional facility and um he said he he shows my videos to the inmates there, and he said you want to talk about guys who have really zero education. He said they can a lot of them can barely read; uh, their their education was just non-existent. And he said, "Man, your videos have been awesome." He said they they love them. I was like, "Oh, okay, well that's that's cool." So I've got, I've got a lot of good feedback, you know, uh, from the educational space, which is is meaningful to me because that's that's why I'm doing it
0: still home too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly.
0: I think there's a big part of that where it's the, it's the storytelling piece. You're not regurgitating facts. There's some uh, official you know, Civil War documentaries I'll pick on, maybe uh-huh. put together by the battlefield or put together by an association. And yeah. it's, it's, it's very scripted and they hit all the facts and they hit all the times and everything is accurate and correct. But my God, I can hardly get through it and I think that's probably how a lot of books come across to middle school, high school, even college students. It's boring. It's dry. But when you can add some flavor to it, still telling the story accurately, yeah. but adding a little cadence, right? And a little color to yeah. it. And by the way, this is where he got shot. And that is where the, it, it comes alive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. I can think of, you know, several channels that, that I watch that, uh, that I personally enjoy. Uh, that that really hit hit that mark, um, you know, where they, they keep things moving and like I said, it's it's a supplement to you know what you've already learned, and it's not the typical um, documentary style. I I would like to the the feedback that I've got is that it's accessible, uh, kind of like what we were talking hmm. earlier, where it feels like you're just hanging out with a friend who uh, knows a few things and, uh, you know, is, is taking you to one of these sites with him.
0: So I got a great, great question for me. How about that? A question I'm very interested in asking. Um, the last time we were in Normandy, I've done it the opposite of how you've done it. I go for like a day as part of a bigger trip and then panic that I didn't see a a fraction of what we are supposed to, but we did a tour the last time we were there and the guy was super knowledgeable, very, very Mm -hmm. smart, but on our bus of 10 people, we had folks asking if the Norman invasions were in world war one or world war two. Yeah. So he had to be at such a high level that I really didn't enjoy it very much. How do you <laughs> approach that in the videos, knowing that you could get the full spectrum?
1: Right. So what I would like to think that I do is, um, Take the, take the Gettysburg series, uh, for example, that I did. Huge battle, thousands of stories. Um, what I try to do is, is give puzzle pieces. Okay, hey, here's what happened at the Shriver House. Here's one thing that happened at Little Round Top. Here's one thing that happened at Devil's Den. So, so you're getting all of these pieces, and then hopefully, if you watch all the videos, you can start putting those pieces together together Combining it with maybe some of the general knowledge that you've been given, and you get an overall picture. Now, for the example that you gave, you know where some people are asking, okay, so did this happen in World War One and World War Two? That in each video, I I try and go a little broad and then bring it down to something narrow, um, but. In some cases, it's, you know, hopefully what I'm doing is um, sparking questions mm-hmm. where you want to go out and learn more yourself. You're like, oh, okay, what was he talking about? To where, and, and some people kind of get uh, a little bit sideways with me, you know, that I didn't, why, how could you not include this, 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 and this? Well, this is, uh, you know, this, this is hopefully, you know, something that will encourage you to go out and, and maybe learn you know, uh, a little bit more.
0: And you've got to start somewhere. Lafayette, if you're going to make a yeah. 15 minute video, you can't start with the origins of paratroopers to, exp- ex- ex- you know. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and, and if I'm doing that every single video, whew, that would get, that would get tiring fast. So, so what I, what I, like I say like what I, what I would like to think that I'm doing is giving puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. And then, and then all these puzzle pieces are hopefully uh, being put together and you can start seeing a, a little bit bigger picture. Um, you know and with this last trip one thing one thing on the first trip that I felt so bad about and was kicking myself for is that I did what any American would do uh, I went to Omaha Beach and went to Utah Beach that's where I spent the, most of my time but there were three other beaches that were invaded by the the Canadians and the, and the British and I tried to squeeze in stuff in one video to you know show that real quick but I didn't really feel like I gave them their proper due so so i tried to rectify that on this past trip and spent some more time on juno beach and sword and gold and and tell some of those stories too which if if you go to those places and start learning those stories holy smokes um it, it has changed my perspective on how american history has viewed the the british and the canadians um
0: go deeper i want to hear this (laughs) just just yeah just expand
1: okay so one of the one of the things that is kind of a a keystone that you hear about with the americans as they move inland in normandy is fighting in the hedgerows Mm -hmm. i mean there's just hedgerow hell and you're going from one to another to another anybody who's listening who doesn't know what i'm talking about uh here's where i kind of got to go broad make sure people know what i'm talking about um in normandy uh they had these things called hedgerows which were um, kind of like a, a natural fence. Um so they were like giant mounds uh that that were built up and uh the, the Germans turned them into like miniature fortresses. Okay. So they had to go from one to another to another to another. So so I'll I'll kind of ask you because um you you've got combat experience and um you know went to West Point and everything like that. If if you had the choice between fighting in hedgerow country or fighting in a wide open plain, which would you prefer?
0: It's not even close. Those hedgerows are, are uh, it's close to trench warfare in a sense.
1: Okay. So oh. that's, but so you would prefer fighting in the wide open country?
0: I think so. If there were armor, if you had armor assets and track vehicles and things like that. Um, okay. How about this? I would prefer attacking that. The idea of okay. attacking a hedgerow. Just knowing that it's it's almost like a building in a sense uh-huh. could come at you from any corner, attacking a hedgerow sounds worse to me, but I've okay. also spent a lot more time as you were getting that reading about the the horrors of the hedgerows so
1: yeah so here so I, I approach it from the perspective of um, an outdoorsman or a hunter because mm-hmm. that is where I do have some experience and and I know that if i've got a if I'm turkey hunting, I would rather turkey hunt in some dense vegetation or or in something like a hedgerow where I can maneuver and, and there's cover get around and, and get cover and concealment versus hunting a turkey out in the middle of a hundred acre field I, I don't know how to approach that without getting spotted mm-hmm. and there's no cover and there's no concealment is one better or worse than the other they each have their benefits and they each have their drawbacks well whenever you get over to the area where the British and the Canadians were, dude, it is wide open. Real. And and those guys got chewed up. Um so there one example where the Canadians landed on juno Beach. They they start moving uh south and uh there was a a division called the the 12th SS Panzer Division, uh the Hitler Junga. Okay so the Hitler Youth Division. These guys were fanatics. Like they they were They were messed up. They were led by a guy named Kurt Meyer. They're moving south, you know, through these open fields. And Kurt Meyer was eight miles away watching them come. Oh, gotcha. And and they got chewed up. And whenever I went there and uh, whenever I was, you know, learning more about that story, I was like, dude, I would want no part of this To, to be out here in the open and. Have nothing to hide behind, nothing to maneuver around. Uh, that's not to say that the hedgerows weren't awful; uh, they they were. But open plain to me is a different kind of awful.
0: It's uh, interesting how different those fights were, because you're right. Yeah. I think Normandy, the Battle of Normandy, to me, is hedgerows.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and that's not what you really see as much over in the British and Canadian sectors. Here's here's another thing that. That really struck me, that gave me more of an appreciation for what the, uh, the, the Canadians and the, the British went through. If you go to, oh, crud, I forget which part. I've got to get all of my code names right here. It's, it's the middle part of Juneau Beach. Um, there's like a 15 to 20 foot seawall that they had to go over to, to get inland. So Omaha Beach, you've got this wide expanse of open territory you have to go, and then there's, you know, the bluffs and everything like that. Uh, Imagine having to do that and then take ladders and go up a wall that has barbed wire at the top and then go into an urban combat zone. Yeah. Uh, Oh, it was horrible. And uh, here's something else that people don't know is that, of course, bloody Omaha, you know, that's, that's where the, the highest number of casualties were. But if you look at the number of casualties as a percentage of the fighting force, the Canadians at Juneau Beach have the highest casualty rate, uh, more, more than Omaha. Um, so anyway, it's, it's little things like that where once you get on the ground, and, and you start walking the train, stuff like that, it, it gives you a, a broader perspective and a, a greater appreciation.
0: It seems like, um, it's a perfect example. The more that I learn, the more I realize I have yet to learn. 100%. Um, it's a benefit with this type of content because you're not going to run out. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to run out. But yeah, you just can't hit it all. Was Was there... So I 100% agree. We tend to focus on, we, the United States focus on the American involvement in mm-hmm. conflicts. I don't think it's, I've gotten a lot of feedback that we tend to write out the other allies. I don't think it's quite that bad, but the the focus is, is very much on the American flag. Do you get much feedback about that? People asking you to try to cover other, Hey, why didn't you go to Juno? kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I got that. Um, Whenever I did that first Normandy series, people from Canada, people from Britain, saying, "Hey, you do realize that there were other countries involved in this fight, don't you?" <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> and yeah, in which I, I genuinely felt bad that I just I just didn't have the the time, um, and hopefully I make that up in in this next one. So yeah, I, I do get some feedback, and to be honest, um, there are a lot of Americans who probably don't know that there were other countries involved in the Battle of Normandy. Um, you know, As a matter of fact, I, I know for a fact that's true, because I was talking to Paul, and he said that um, he was at a, a museum one day, he had a tour, his tour group went inside, he was hanging around outside, and there was an American outside sitting on a bench, and uh, he engaged in a conversation and uh the the guy said well it's kind of funny uh you know uh, a british guy you know being here at normandy i wouldn't think that you'd be interested and he was like why is that he's like well the british weren't here were they he's like oh they they actually were
0: (laughs) come on not giving us a good look there
1: yeah
0: (laughs) somebody's got to answer for that continent later you know
1: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly um but and, and you know what even in even in pop culture uh, you know, in the movie Saving Private Ryan, they kind of gig the British. Uh, there's a scene between Tom Hanks and uh, Ted Danson, and they, they kind of rip on on Montgomery, which Montgomery needs, he, he earns kind of the, the ribbing that he gets because he was a, a terrible people person. Um, but they talk about, you know, how slow, you know, Montgomery is moving. Honestly, there, there was a reason that they were moving slow. That's um, because the Germans were sending all of their armor around that area to to khan um as far as fortifications there's a denser fortification network you know right there in in the british uh 50th division sector um no i'm sorry the british british third um division sector um heading towards khan and also the the british had this doctrine of uh steel not flesh because they they didn't have a whole lot. Their their army wasn't as big, um, so they couldn't really be as reckless as like say the Soviets could be, who had an endless supply of bodies. Other side uh, of the spectrum,
0: there <laughs> on the
1: other side, yeah, complete other side of the spectrum. I mean, think of it: if you if you're playing, uh, you know, in a poker tournament, uh, you're probably not going to be as reckless as you know if you if you're playing with fifty dollars as if you had five hundred dollars. The the British. They they don't have the depth um, to to be reckless. Uh, plus, they'd already gone through the horrors of World War One, and and they they didn't want to replay that. Um, so anyway, there, there's a there's a reason for that slow movement. And then again, like I mentioned earlier, you have these open planes that you're fighting against. So it, it gives you a, a different perspective, I guess I could say. That was a long rant to say. Uh, no, it's an know, interesting. So, yeah, it's an interesting uh, piece. There. Simple simple point. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I I want to talk more about, especially, you know, to pick on D-Day, it's so easy to just use that for every single example here, but yes, that the challenge I have is when you start throwing out the ranks in the British military, I can't connect that as quick. When you say captain, I got it. When you say a platoon of, of Rangers, mm-hmm. I got it. But when you start saying the, you know, Patricia's light infantry, I don't know what that is. Yeah. and I have to, it sounds silly, but I got to dig into it a little bit further and I'm losing track of it. Just, Everything takes a little bit more research. And next thing I know, it's
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's my yeah, fault.
1: No, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, whenever you talk about, oh, you know, here's where, uh, you know, Sherwood's Rangers landed. And, uh, and then you also have the Green Howards. And I'm like, who are they attached to? Who, who are these people? Yeah. How so big? I, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I'm right there with you. And I'm still in the process of learning. That gets even more complicated whenever you start talking about the, the Germans and their command structure uh, because, e- like in the US, okay, there's three different divisions. You've got uh, you've got the, the 1st Infantry Division, you've got the 29th Infantry Division, and you've got the 4th Infantry Division. I can understand that. The Germans, you've got the 21st Panzer, Panzer Lair, the 12th Hitler-Junga, <laughs> and I'm just like, what? <laughs> And, and, and everything is all, you know, confusing with their command structure, which is how Hitler designed it so that, um, you know, they would constantly be fighting amongst themselves instead of trying to take him out. So it, it, it gets even more confusing with the Germans for me, and I'm still learning.
0: Yeah, I, I want to do all of that. It's just, yeah, I mean, it feels a little bit like learning another language. Like, mm-hmm. I feel I'm conversational. I'm conversational in American military terms. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I struggle with some of the others. So I don't know, I guess room to improve, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Always learning.
0: <laughs> well, we can't, can't uh, wrap this up without talking about one of my favorite things you've been doing recently, which is highlighting some of your lovely comments. Uh, <laughs> so I, I have not, I don't get a fraction of the comments that you have on YouTube, but the, the percentage of, I'll just say mean comments mm-hmm. on YouTube. Yeah, sure are substantially higher than I see on any other platform and it's not close. Um, what's your, what's your advice to anybody out there dealing
1: with that kind Uh, of stuff? My, my advice is, um, so, so I'm going to to rip a line from Dan Crenshaw who ripped it from somebody else. Um, which is, I, I try hard not to offend and I try even harder to not be offended. Um, I I refuse to let some stranger on the internet ruin my day. Uh that it, it'll it'll never happen. And uh you know, you, you mentioned some of the mean comments and stuff like that, where you know, I'll repost them on Facebook or or on Instagram or something like that. And I I think there's been a misunderstanding as to my motivation for, for why I do that. And really there there are two reasons. A lot of people think that it, which is, it's, it's nice that, that they do this. They, they try and encourage me because mm-hmm. I think that, that I feel bad about these people saying mean things, which by the way, is a small minority of the comments. I, I get thousands of comments every day. There's a handful of just negative trolls or whatever. Um, it, it, it does not bother me. As a matter of fact, it's the best part of my day because I think they're hilarious. Uh, to see how people get spun up over some of they the, the things. They are usually pretty yeah. Oh, they're they're hilarious and they're just completely irrational. Uh, so, so part of the reason why I'll repost them every once in a while is so that you can laugh at these people along with me. Uh, and then another thing that I hope is that people read my responses and um, maybe I don't want to say take some inspiration or anything like that because I don't want to make myself sound like anything more than what I am. But but maybe uh, see it as an encouragement that you don't have to uh, be nasty back, and, and really the the most disarming thing that you can do to a mean person is to be kind, uh, just be aggressively kind uh, in no no matter what. so that's that's what I post them for.
0: I mean, when somebody comes in hot, there's nothing you can say argumentatively that's going to, that they're going to say, Oh, yep. My bad. I should not yeah. have called you ugly or whatever. <laughs> right. They're not, it's not going to happen. So.
1: Well, I, it, uh, you say that I've had people who have responded where they were like, you know what, that was a little bit harsh, you know, oh, okay. and, and have, and have apologized. Yeah. Love it. Uh, there's, there's a verse in the Bible that says um, harsh words stir up anger, but a gentle answer turns away wrath. So I, t- I try and kind of live by that uh and giving a a gentle kind answer to where somebody says man you why are we looking at your ugly face instead of the battlefield yeah i say oh i I don't know man imagine having to look at that face in the mirror every day uh i i feel bad for you uh imagine how my poor wife feels you know where she has to look at that all the time uh thanks thanks for watching anyway um so yeah i just just try and be aggressively kind no matter what
0: talk about talk about something you you maybe weren't uh thinking about when you filmed the boxcar Uh, Some of those first few videos was dealing with thousands of comments on YouTube a day.
1: That and um, if I make a mistake. Um, So if I make a mistake in real life, somebody corrects me and I say, oh, you know what? You're right. Uh, I'll, I'll fix that. Well, YouTube is forever. So I get to uh, be reminded of that mistake by anybody who happens to come along and see that video. So I could have said something you know, two years ago uh, that, that maybe, even if it wasn't a mistake, maybe it was incomplete uh, or, or maybe I didn't word things as well as what I would have liked. Uh, well, I get to hear about that forever.
0: Uh, <laughs> Is there but- anything you've, you've redone or thought about redoing? Mean- so if you accidentally say World War Two ended in in 1995 mm-hmm. or 1940 or 1845, right. got it. People are going to look look little slip up. It didn't change the story at all. Is yeah. there anything though where like you got it wrong? You you read the wrong story beforehand or something, and you thought about redoing or taking down even. Um,
1: there's so so two things that I'll do um, if I. If I mess something up, if I catch it beforehand, like while I'm editing, what I'll do is I'll put a little annotation down at the bottom and say, hey, I, I messed this up, here's, yeah. here's what it was. Uh, so I, I just posted a video this past week where um, I went to uh, the USS Hoga, which is a, a tugboat that was at Pearl Harbor. Uh, awesome story, by the way. Well, in the video, I said, that it displaced like 350 tons, which, which I had read um, on a website. And in the midst of my editing on the uh, Arkansas Inland Maritime Museum's website, they said it only displaced like 200 something. So, so now that's not a huge deal. Okay. The, it doesn't the change not gonna,
0: it, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so, I, so I just put a little annotation. If I catch the mistake afterwards, what I'll do is I'll put something in the description that'll say, Hey, there, there was a a, I misspoke here at this spot. Um, I've never taken down a video for, you know, any, any mistakes um, that I've made.
0: I wouldn't expect Uh, that you had something in there that's so drastically far off that it changes.
1: Yeah. There, there, yeah, there, there has, and if there was, like if I said something just so, egregious that 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 I thought that it was damaging I, I probably would take that video down and then we either kill it or tweak it and then repost it uh, I, I haven't had anything that was that bad and fortunately I, I haven't had too many videos where I had mistakes in them um, and I'm impressive. not I'm not saying that I'm not saying that to you know, toot my own horn or anything um it's just the that i i try to be careful you know
0: use words correctly right instead of always or every time it's most of the time or sometimes kind of thing to
1: y- yeah yeah exactly uh but but there are times where i just i'll say stupid stuff and i'm like what how why did i say that i know that there were five beaches at normandy why did i say four um <laughs> you know <laughs> it's...
0: you'll hear about that one
1: i'll, I'll hear about that one I'll hear about that. So that actually happened. Um, the, the first time I was at Normandy, I was going along and yammering. And um, it, in my head, I was thinking, I'm on this beach. So it's this beach and the four other beaches. So, so we're, we're totaling five there. But what came out of my mouth was the four beaches of Normandy. Now, fortunately, I messed up really bad and like lost my train of thought and had to redo that whole thing on the beach and got it right the second time. But whenever I watched that first clip, I was like, what in the world? You were <laughs> in the zone. I was, uh, yeah, and not the right one. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was in the wrong zone. Uh, but yeah, some sometimes my head and my mouth don't communicate well.
0: Just like the rest of us then.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. which uh, hopefully that makes it a little bit more... Um, accessible to people like what we were talking earlier i think it does yeah, i think makes it's sense.
0: disarming yeah it's the personal touch of it
1: yeah yeah
0: well we're, we're coming up on an hour here jd is there anything this will probably go out october twenty sixth, 27th mm-hmm. um anything you want to any, any what am i thinking what the i was going to say push but that's not the right term uh, no, anything you want to plug here videos coming up when those are coming
1: that's going to be just in time for the the normandy series so so it'll be dropping um around the the first week the first Sunday of November awesome. uh, is, is whenever I'm planning on on having that first one hit um so yeah I mean if uh, ho- hopefully people find value in it and uh you know share share the videos with others so that you know all of us can can learn together that's one thing I like about the videos uh more than anything it's it's not that you know it's me out there doing all this stuff it's it's what i learn because I'll, I'll put out a video and i'll have people that'll leave comments and I, I end up learning so much more so it's kind of a selfish endeavor for me i i get to i get to learn
0: uh, Some smart people out there
1: yes there are much much smarter than me so that's it's awesome that's, man. Uh, yeah we'll I, the, I like uh, learning <laughs> we'll
0: put the the link to the show in the show description here on youtube and then on the podcast so people can find it right away but JD, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate yeah. you taking the time. And it, even though I felt like I knew you because of how you film all of these, uh, these videos, it was cool to be able to touch base and, uh, and chat for a little bit. Man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll have to get down there to, uh, to your area. and Maybe we can link up and you can show me some of those battlefields. I like it, man. We'll put
0: it in the books. All right. Awesome. Everybody, We'll see ya. Hey, thanks for listening to War Stories.